If there might be one word that I would most want you to remember, Nawan told his friend. It is the word beloved. I first learned this word from the story of the baptism of Jesus of Nazareth. And he goes on to write, Fred, all I want to say to you is, you are the beloved. And all I hope is that you can hear these words as spoken to you with all of the tenderness and force that love can hold. Five weeks ago, uh, we began this uh, journey on the first Sunday of Advent as we entered into the theme that we would contemplate throughout this season, How Does a Weary World Rejoice? Taken from the beloved hymn we sing at Christmas, Thrill of Hope, A Weary World Rejoices. So we've asked along the way, how does a weary world rejoice? The first candle was lit, and the message of that day uh, I recalled a couple of small examples from my own life where uh, rejoicing came uh, unexpectedly. I was surprised by joy. I shared about the first time I'd ever seen a bald eagle in my home state of Minnesota, which happened to have come at a precise moment uh, of doubt and anxiety that I was feeling about the direction of my own future. So it came as a blessing, a reaffirmation, if you will. I also shared about an incredible sunrise. Uh, it was a sunset, I'm sorry, that, that stopped traffic in Alaska and created this impromptu community of folks who got out of their cars to witness this spectacle together, and therefore um, this little impromptu community uh, shared a special experience. Um, as we considered the story of Mary visiting Elizabeth on that first Sunday of Advent, we were reminded that joy is not the absence of fear or disbelief or, or uncertainty or sorrow. In fact, we were reminded that joy exists in spite of all of the reasons why it probably should not. And joy, we noted, always moves people into community. Joy wants to be shared. We continue to explore this theme then, how does a weary world rejoice through the eyes of our children during another amazing children's pageant, which was wonderful, and then through the gift of music uh, with the beautiful choir cantata, and all of that led us into our meaningful Christmas Eve services where sunlight fell on the faces of worshipers in the morning service, given that Christmas Eve fell on a Sunday this year, followed by candlelight flickering in the eyes during the evening services as hundreds gathered here at Prince of Peace throughout the day to behold Emmanuel, God choosing to dwell with us. And God choosing to dwell in this weary world. So today, uh, we kind of come full circle and we'll bring this 
theme to a close for now. How does a weary world rejoice after having passed by so many of these signposts along the way of God's often surprising, resilient, persistent joy? And today we celebrate the joy that flows from the waters of baptism, as we've heard in the, the beautiful um, choir piece and, and Katie's message, uh, where she reminded us that in our baptisms we are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ. And this is forever. Marked for abundant life. Jesus said, I come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Marked for joy. So the crowds then follow this voice of John. We revisit that wilderness prophet making a way out there along the banks of the Jordan River. And so many people who went that direction had come to believe that they were not worthy of God's attention and certainly not worthy to come into God's presence. So if the Holy Temple is this direction, John's preaching this direction out in the wilderness along the banks of the Jordan River. And the people who believed they would never be welcome, they knew they weren't welcome anywhere near the temple complex. They're out there, nonetheless, in the wilderness, responding to John's message. They had heard from the powers that be from the time they were little that they did not, in one way or another, measure up. They were born on the wrong side of a border, and so they were called illegal or half-breeds, or Samaritans. They were born to the wrong parents, and so they were called Gentiles, or heathens. They had suffered from a disease, so they were declared to be, considered to be, ritually impure, literally untouchable by people of faith. And unable to enter into the presence of God at the temple. But John looked out and invited all of them into the river, and they are responding. The great uh, spiritual writer and Catholic priest Henry Nouwen was once approached by a friend of his named Fred, and uh, Fred was said to be a, a secular New Yorker, is the way he was is described or perhaps described himself and and he asked his uh you know religious uh somewhat famous uh priest friend you know why don't you write something about the spiritual life for you know people like me and my friends secular folks and and uh, so he did now and wrote a book and that book is titled beloved and in it, he references the voice of God that we hear uh, in the baptism of Jesus, declaring Christ to be beloved. That's God's message for you as well. Now and wrote to his friend in this book. You are my beloved, God says. He goes on to write, it certainly is not easy to hear that voice. In a world filled with voices that shout, you are no good. You are ugly, you are worthless, you are despicable, you are nobody, unless you can demonstrate otherwise. These negative voices, now and writes, are so loud and so persistent that it is easy to believe them. That's the great trap 
It is the trap of self-rejection. So I've been wondering, he writes, if there might be one word that I would most want you to remember now and told his friend. It is the word beloved. I first learned this word from the story of the baptism of Jesus of Nazareth. And he goes on to write, Fred, all I want to say to you is, you are the beloved. And all I hope is that you can hear these words as spoken to you with all of the tenderness and force that love can hold. It's beautiful, really. And I'm struck that there are no instructions in what he wanted to tell his secular friend. No prayer to pray. No four-step process to follow. No dogma to remember. Just know that you are beloved. We know that only Matthew and Luke give us an account of the, of the birth of Jesus, but all four of the Gospels tell us of the baptism of Jesus, telling it from different perspectives in their own way. And the story is a marvel, really. It, it shows us, among other things, that we are not alone. Jesus chose to stand with all of us, with all humanity in his own baptism. Here he is, God's Messiah, submitting himself in front of everybody to a, a, a baptism uh, of repentance. As John says, turn your lives around, come uh, into these waters. And, and Jesus does so in his baptism, among so many other things. Jesus is demonstrating that you are not alone. I'm with you. I am entering into your life, into your brokenness. Yes, into your sin and guilt and shame and repentance and rejoicing. I'm entering into all of it with you. You are not alone in your frustration with the way things are and your yearning for the way things could be. You are not alone in your pain, in your suffering, in your grieving, in your illness, you are not alone. My wife, Lori, uh, was up early this morning, and she's off to Scotland on a work trip. Her daughter, Lydia, eldest daughter, just got back from Hawaii. Uh, so she's back in Savannah. Our youngest, Clara, is somewhere in Spain, um, moving about as she does. And I'm about to head for the airport after worship uh, to go to uh, visit our partners in ministry in Tanzania. This is the uh, Brecky family. Uh, we are often widely dispersed. Uh, every time I get to visit this, uh, what has become a sacred place to me in East Africa, the visit takes place in the shadow of Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, which has long served as a kind of symbol and sign of God's presence for me and so many people that I know who live along the slopes or in the shadow of this mountain that affects even the weather patterns. My connection to Kilimanjaro has nurtured in me a fascination for high-altitude climbing. Now getting to the top of 
Kilimanjaro is a, a, an accomplishment to be sure, but if you do make it to the very pinnacle of Mount Kilimanjaro, you're only at uh, the altitude of about uh, Camp 1 above base camp if you're climbing Mount Everest. So uh, it's a different thing. Uh, and I'm fascinated by people who do this, this high altitude climbing and the motivations uh, and the capabilities of people who go to these great heights. I've read more books than I can count on high altitude mountain climbing and I watch every film and documentary I can get my hands on. And I recently watched yet an another amazing documentary that was produced uh, about these climbers. It's called Fine Lines. Fine Lines, uh, kind of indicating finding your line up, up an ascent. And while there is certainly some footage of spectacular feats of death-defying accomplishments on, on rock faces and high-altitude climbing in this film, this, this documentary is more about what all of this means to these climbers. So it really does a good job of letting you in to get, kind of get to know them and their personalities and to see some of what they've accomplished in the mountains but it's more about what, what it all means to them. The description of the film asks, what could compel us to abandon our most basic instinct for self-preservation? It's not about adrenaline or thrill-seeking. There is something far deeper that drives the world's most elite group of mountain adventurers to take life-threatening risks. And as... We watch the film, we see what that thing is, and the thread that weaves their stories and their motivations together, for me as I watched it, was community. There's this community of climbers that's created. They, they know stuff about each other because of what they've accomplished and what they've risked. So I wanted to close by just sharing about a five-minute clip from, from the closing scenes of this film. Uh, in which several of the mountaineers, again, after having shared, uh, have seen in the film some of their just death-defying feats of daring in the mountains, well, they share kind of what climbing means to them. And I think each of them, as you, as you watch a little bit of these interviews this, in this little clip, they look like regular people that might work in an office somewhere. Uh, but believe me, um, if you get a chance to, to learn about what they've accomplished, it is just incredible feats of daring and risk, uh, every one of them. So uh, listen for words like uh, serving, imagination, dreams, experiences, embracing life, perspective, horizon, infinite. One of the high-altitude mountain caves reminded one of these climbers of a cathedral and he says that climbing for him is soul nurturing so let's take a few minutes and we'll see uh, and listen all of this adventure and sacrifice and accomplishment enhanced and made profoundly meaningful in community in the seeing, experiencing, and sharing of all of it together. And to be honest, 
I feel like this could also be describing the church. Uh, standing here now, I can think of several people in our community currently facing um, ultimate tests of mind and body and spirit. Right now. And several others who have done so in this past year. How does a weary world rejoice in small ways and big moments, times of great joy and even times of sadness and loss. Joy persists. We rejoice together as God's own beloved children in God's magnificent creation sustained by the promises that flow from the waters of baptism you are beloved even now ways for you to remember that you have been given a name and it is the name that matters the most. It is the gift that matters the most, that you are loved and you are beloved. And so we take this blessing with us as we go. This is a blessing that remembers your baptism and tells the story even if your memory cannot. It watched a community gather around you. It heard the water poured and felt the love expand. This blessing will travel every distance with assurance that baptism's promise does not wear thin over time. This gift is hearty and sure. You could not break it if you tried. Life has a firm grip on you, beloved one. It is more than enough, and so are you. So do we take that reminder with us as we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thank you.